0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is Watch by RegulatorWatch.com. Joining us today to talk about the unintended consequences of e-cigarette flavor bans and taxes is Dr. Michael Pesco, the J. Rhodes Foster Professor of Economics in the Department of Economics at the University of Missouri. He has published over 70 peer-reviewed papers, including over 20 on e-cigarette policy. He's the director of the Tobacco Online Policy Seminar an international forum for research on tobacco policy, and he's also a member of the Canadian Scientific Advisory Board on vaping products. Dr. Pesco, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, in a quick note to our viewers, this is an extended segment of our discussion with Dr. Pesco, which is already in release, where we discuss in depth his recent research on flavor bans and restrictions with a focus on the United States, Please look for that as we now turn to a Canadian-specific conversation. Dr. Pesco, last month, a major paper released titled The Unintended Consequences of Vaping Flavor Restrictions, which you co-authored with Abigail Friedman and Alyssa Crippen from the Yale School of Public Health, along with Alex Lieber from the Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center at Georgetown University. It's a multidisciplinary study that merges health policy, oncology, and economics to study vaping flavor restrictions. So Dr. Pesco, briefly top line for us the findings of the study.
1: Well, uh, we look at um, flavor restrictions in uh, 375 um, uh, localities, uh, seven states in Washington, D.C., on uh, e-cigarettes. Um, we find that there are uh, reductions in e-cigarette sales, sharp reductions in e-cigarette sales. So. Um, uh, in flavored sales especially but then there is a lot of substitution to unflavored uh, um e-cigarette sales and then there are increases in cigarette sales um including for brands disproportionately used by youth
0: so the main finding here which is shocking is that you know as flavor bans come into place it does lead to more teen smoking
1: we're unable to say exactly teen smoking, right? But the uh, but brands disproportionately used by young people, um, including young adults, uh, those brands do increase. So this the speculation is, um, and it's difficult to say, like with sales data, who exactly is is buying, right? Um, but the our our results suggest that this includes uh, increases in smoking among teens.
0: So the very young people that public health purports to be protecting. very well be picking up smoking as a result of flavor bans.
1: yes that's that's i mean picking up or continuing to smoke when they otherwise would have quit with an e-cigarette um Uh. that that is uh correct
0: so as i mentioned you have direct experience with these issues in canada you are a member of the canadian scientific advisory board on vaping products which is a collaboration between health canada And the canadian institutes of health research tell us what you can about working with uh that group
1: well um i you know i'm i'm very impressed actually um i think that they are an evidence-based um uh group at least what the part of it that i see right um uh and i mean there could be a disconnect between you know my conversations with people and then what actually gets put into practice right um but i do think that within within the group there are um, people, they, they understand that there are negative unintended effects of regulating, um, tobacco products. Um, they understand that e-cigarettes are safer products. My sense sometimes is that they, they would like to be a little more vocal about some of these things, but they, you know, th- there, there might be some political realities of what they can and can't, you know, do and say, right. Um, but, um, but, but I find yeah, you know, I find, uh, them to be knowledgeable, right. Whereas other, in other context, I felt like I I was talking to people that didn't understand some of these core, core issues.
0: Well, so that's good news to know that the scientific advisors on that board tend to reflect a more positive approach to nicotine vaping products. Let me ask you, is that the kind of experience you've had in Canada elsewhere? Like what else can you tell us about your work in Canada?
1: Um, well, I can't. There's, I haven't done any, you know, any other real work in Canada. Um, I mean, I'm looking at e-cigarette taxes right now, um, and um, I have some early work. I'm going to present that at the American Public uh, Health Association conference uh, in Atlanta um, uh, in um, in November. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, we've you know looking at um, uh, e-cigarette taxes, and and the work is pretty preliminary, so I probably shouldn't uh, shouldn't share uh, on it. Um, but, um, maybe I can just hint that, you know, there's suggestive evidence that kind of aligns with findings from the United States literature, basically. And I'll look forward to sharing that with you guys at some point in the future when the paper is published.
0: Yeah, that is a big deal. Obviously we have the federal excise tax. It's almost a, a year now in place. And I can certainly say there's a lot of people that are, you know, retailers in Canada and the employees at those retailers have been hurt and then actual vapors, you know, users have been really, uh, taxed.
1: Federal tax is hard to, it's kind of hard to evaluate federal taxes. Um, uh, just kind of the framework that, that I talked about in the earlier segment. Um, uh, generally it's easier to study province level taxes because then we have a comparison group and we have a pre post period federal taxes. They all get taxed at you know, the same time. And so we don't have, you know, com- as easy of a comparison group. Um, but, um, but for, I think fortunately, uh, for Canada, I mean, from an evaluation standpoint, at least, right. Um, whether you say your taxes are good or not, but there were some, uh, provincial taxes that predated the federal tax. Right. And I think that's what the focus is of studying. What do, what can we learn about those taxes? Um, and, and that should tell us what happened as a result of the, the, the federal tax when that came into place as well in any future, um, provinces that tax or increase their taxes as well. It's important to get some evidence, right, um, uh, uh, so that we, we can know expected effects.
0: Dr. Pesco, as you know, Canadian provinces have caught the flavor ban fever. There are now flavor bans or restrictions in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, the Northwest Territories, and now the entire province of Quebec you take Quebec, which is like basically a quarter of the entire vaping market nicotine vaping market in canada and they came down with a crushing you know total restriction on flavors what do you make of of all of this
1: well i mean i think you would expect i would expect the same effects that what we find in the united states right um uh i mean you the overall I mean, huge reductions in flavored e-cigarette sales, basically down to zero, right? Um, a lot of substitution then towards unflavored e-cigarettes. Um, uh, so those should increase and then um, increases, some increases in cigarette sales as well. That's what I would expect. But it would be interesting to do that evaluation. Maybe after my e-cigarette tax paper in Canada, I can tackle that one next. The flavor bans are bad for vape shops, right? And, and I think, um, you know, one of the unfortunate uh things about that, right, is that vape shops are really that's the last remaining kind of independent competition to the traditional cigarette industry, right? Traditional cigarette industry, these are those are the bad guys, right? Um, and anybody that competes with the traditional cigarette industry, right? Um, in some ways those are our friends, right? Um, and the the flavor restriction, the the flavor restrictions, right, that that's really um you know, it basically makes the vape shop model inoperable as far as I'm aware. I don't know why people would go into a vape shop if there's not a flavor uh, option. Um, and so, you know, the traditional cigarette industry is very happy about that, right? Because they don't wanna to have to compete with all those vape shops out there. Um, uh, and uh, that's why I think subtly, uh, they, the, you know, they're behind uh, some of these efforts to uh, to restrict flavors.
0: I think many of our viewers would wonder, considering that you're positioned with the advisory board, is there some way that the research on flavors can be shared with the Canadian government in a manner in which it might make a difference?
1: I mean, I can share the paper with people for sure. I mean, I think they are really, you know, the the. Health Canada folks they're you know very um interested in in keeping up with with research and, and um I think that they'll be receptive and honestly I don't think they'll be that surprised um when I when I share the uh when I share the, the um when I share our findings uh, w- with them we don't have a lot of power on this advisory board I mean we 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 they have some questions for us and we give them our opinions on it right but but we don't really know you know how that gets used and we don't get we don't get to just un we don't get to just ask uh them like anything that we want to know and expect them to answer us like we're there at their service basically you know and and there's some things that they have questions about and I think we can we can we can answer so i just don't want people to be misinformed about me having some uh influence when when i i you know i don't really have a lot of Influence there outside of just trying to share, you know, good information.
0: Do you think that part of the picture that's being missed here is that nicotine's been around for 7,000 years, maybe longer, and human beings use it and it's likely not to stop? So maybe we should be considering about, you know, pushing people into the safer nicotine area of things as opposed to this weird prohibition abstinent attitude.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not sure because, you know, harm reduction, it's actually kind of a popular thing to talk about in the United States right now for everything except tobacco. Right. Um, I, I was shocked. I even saw um, a national Institute on drug abuse. They recently funded um, a study. They had like a safe places for people to use uh, drugs in New York city and Boston, I think. Right. Um, and there was some randomized control trial um, regarding uh, you know, they were going to expand access to these specific sites, and then they were going to track individuals that use the sites for a whole host of different outcomes, you know, related to their health. Uh, basically, does giving people safe injection sites, you know, what what impact does it have on them? And Naida put out a press release just about the fact that they funded the study, right, which I've never seen them put out a press release about funding a study. Sometimes they publicize the results of the study, but they must have felt like that was um, you know that was really playing to the times right that they could put out a press release just saying hey look how progressive we are or or whatever right on on top of the times we are um uh in that um uh we we funded this right so harm reduction seems popular um uh, uh but then it can't be applied to um you know nicotine and i just wonder if maybe things kind of go in cycles right because you know Thirty years ago, right? I mean, I think there was just a lot of focus on marijuana, a uh, uh, prohibition, and and uh, 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 trying to stamp out marijuana use. And then at some point, people just kind of realized we can't really do that, right? Uh, people use it, right? Because people demand it, right? Um, uh, and if if people demand something, there's going to be a black market that supplies it. Um, uh, and so why not? If, if that's happening, then why not just make the bring the market above ground um, and regulate it. Um, And, um, and that's where we are basically in the United States right now, right with with most states having, you know, some form of uh, recreational or or medical marijuana law, right, and and all kinds of efforts to increase it, including talking about flavors for a second, California even allows flavored marijuana, right, and they don't allow flavored tobacco, right. So so, um, so it's interesting, right? Um, and so I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, we need to just kind of go through this cycle, right? Where people are just really um, trying to uh, stamp out nicotine product use, right? And maybe they'll just need to see it's not gonna go anywhere, right? Um, uh, at least that's my suspicion because people like nicotine, you know, it's a, um, there's benefits of it and that's why people use it, right? um uh cognitive uh improvement um more alertness you know those are just some of the um you know some of the benefits obviously it's it's you know addictive and then all the other things in the nicotine um uh in the tobacco product as well cause all kinds of cancers and and whatnot um that lead to um tobacco related disease and death um but the nicotine itself isn't necessarily uh a problem right and that's why the fda has approved nicotine gum uh, etc um so so yeah i wonder i i wish i was more optimistic but i just wonder if we need to just kind of go through this you know period and maybe there will be 10 15 years from now there'll be kind of more um uh people more sane discussions will transpire